Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. This is Cale Brown. Now, I didn't play a doctor on TV, but I will prescribe Brandon's buzz for absolutely anybody who wants to know what's really going on. Hey, guys, this is Brett Claywell from One Life to Live, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. This is Taylor Dane, and you are listening to the one and only Brandon Buzz. Hi, this is Lynn Herring on Brandon's Buzz. It's the great entertainment talk show on now. Brandon, I love you. Thanks for having me. This is Linda Dano. I'm on Brandon's Buzz, and I have to tell you, what a fun hour I just had. Ah, this is a great kid with a wonderful heart and soul. You listen every day. I know I will. Hey, hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you are checking out Brandon's Buzz right now. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Martin from the band Mr. Big. I'm live and kicking on Brandon's Buzz. Hi, this is Dave Romero, and you're going to love buzzing with Brandon's Buzz. Hey guys, welcome back to Brandon's Buzz. I am Brandon. It's Wednesday, April 7th, 2010, 10 p.m. in the East, 7 p.m. out West, 9 p.m. here in Texas, and I am so thrilled to be back on the air after a brief break. You know, my work schedule was just horrendous for a few weeks there, so I've been on kind of a a self-imposed hiatus, but I am back, and I can't think of a greater guest to be coming back with. You know, my guest tonight is one of my favorite people on the planet, and she has also been on a hiatus of sorts. As the voice of the legendarily sassy Marlena De La Croix, the, I don't know, the prima bella of sophisticated soap opera criticism, <laughs> she was so disgusted by what she was seeing across the daytime dial at the beginning of the year that she actually put down her pen for a time. But then a funny thing happened. Some of her all-time favorite shows suddenly kind of got good again. And she's back and in rarer form than ever. And I couldn't be more thrilled that she has once again chosen my show as her favorite place to let loose. Please help me welcome back to Brandon's Buzz a true icon, the one and only Connie Pasolacqua-Hayman. Brandon, hi. That was a, a fabulous <laughs> intro. I love to be uh, disguised as an icon. <laughs> but I am always pleased to talk to you, and it's been a long time. Likewise, and, my darling. It's been um, too we long. We have so much to talk about. Absolutely. So, you know, just, just when you think you're out, they find a way to pull you back in, huh? Well, actually, I came back not because some of my shows got good. I came back because I was outraged at something I had seen on a show. I mean, I had not stopped watching. I always watch. It's a lifetime thing. And uh, I was just outraged, because that is Marlena, (laughs) by, couldn't stay silent, by some of the treatment I had seen on One Life and uh, General Hospital, you know, about women. And I think the day I actually came back was the day that on One Life Live when uh, Stacey was uh, sent plummeting through the ice. And it just (laughs) outraged me. I started screaming at the TV because I was so angry and upset. Mm. Not because I like Stacey, but because I thought it was a disgusting death. And only about, you know, a month or two before, they had whacked Claudia you know, with an axe handle and yeah. thrown her into a hole. And I'm saying, what is happening on ABC? This is 
disgusting and misogynistic. And I was just repulsed and very, very angry. So that made me write again. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I've always liked and 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 uh, admired about your work, and you know, I like to believe that my own writing is very similar in this regard, is that even when you're being sarcastic and you know broadly comedic as Marlena, you very much write from an emotional place, which is to say that there's nothing at all clinical or, or sterile about your work. It's 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 pretty much all heart. You know, I read your oh, work and thank you. and I can almost taste what you're feeling. The emotion coming through is so strong and so perceptible. And, you know, late last year with each succeeding column that you posted, I could really feel your rising disgust for what you were seeing on air. I mean, you know, did a part of you feel that you had finally reached the end of your patience, the, you know, the end of your lifelong love affair with soaps? Well, um, I, I, I always watch soaps. And, I have, you know, it's, it's hard to give up, you know, something you've done your entire life. But I was really just so disgusted that I couldn't write. And considering how long I've written about soaps, which is 30 years, yeah. and, you know, how long I had done Marlena, which was 11 years the first time and three years this time, for me to stop was an amazing statement, I think. I mean, I literally felt that writing about certain shows was beneath me, and that is really a painful place for me. And, you know, but, I mean, it, it wasn't even the morality. It was that a lot of it didn't make sense. Yeah. And why spend my time writing about something that is clearly insulting me and beneath me. And, and, you know, I mean, I have written about everything for years, so obviously I felt very strongly. And, you know, I mean, when you, when you say that, you know, some of these, writing about some of these shows were beneath you, I mean, that must have been heartbreaking to you because, you know, you've watched some of these shows for 30, 35, 40 years. Well, you know, maybe it wasn't heartbreaking. I mean, I just didn't want to watch. And, uh, you know, things like Mitch Blake, you know, giving electroshock to Jessica and, you know, because electroshock therapy does not, you know, send you back to being a teenager. It's, a very, it's used for a real disease and it saves somebody I know, you know, from depression. And also, you know, there was a point where Mitch, it looked like Mitch was going to rape his own daughter. How do you live with something? How do you watch something like that? I mean, this is not soap operas. It's, it's disgusting, and I, I'm not trying to be an old lady by saying it's disgusting. It's just that you cannot believe that a soap is putting this on screen, <laughs> you know. And you know, I love Roscoe Bourne, and and I, you know, I love One Life to Live, and and just to see this, it was like, what is going on here? And I don't want to, you know, it's beneath me to write about this. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? I, I absolutely do, and you know, I. I I was gonna I was gonna lead into a a, a more in depth discussion of one life later. Sure, because, you of know, course, they, yeah. They've they've gone. It seems like they've gone just nuts over there. But you know, it's yeah. I, I, we definitely must talk about it. But you know, <laughs> but this was an overall thing because you know at that point, I think that Sonny was just as allowed to shoot his his uh, son. I think Sonny actually did shoot his his son in the heart. You know, Dante, and yes, it was like what. And, and then, you know, I mean, not only that, but, you know, everybody defended him. His, you know, the mother, mother, Olivia, defended him. Who, what mother defends a man who shoots her own son? Uh, it, was, it was absurd. And it just went on and on, and everybody defended him for shooting his own son. It's like, hello? You know? I'm supposed to believe this? You're insulting me by showing me this? So, you know, it just got, I mean, I will accept anything in, in, in 35 years of viewing and all these, you know, I will accept anything if it makes sense. But, Absolutely. you know, this made no sense whatsoever, and I almost felt insulted that they were doing it. <laughs> Disgusted. So that's kind of why I, I kind of gave up writing, because I just didn't felt like, I just didn't feel like, you know, the soap 
you know, the soaps even deserved what I had to say. But, but also because it was so awful. You know, what am I going to do, Raven Rant? I mean, that's not writing. <laughs> and yet in the middle of all this, you know, to start off on, on, kind, of a, on kind of a high point, All My Children has, has undergone this kind of, you know, unexpected creative renaissance. I mean, it's, Right. Well, yes, I called it Brigadoon. I don't know if you're familiar with that show. You know, I'm not. I'm not. But it's, it's about um, a Scottish town. It's from uh, 1947. It's a, about these two travelers, these two uh, guys that go to Scotland, and then all of a sudden, like this mythical town comes out of the mist, and you know, everybody is friendly and loving, and it's like the town you want to live in. And it's all, but the thing is, it disappears once every ten years. It's a myth. So to me, that was all my children. You know, I loved all my children up until around you know 1986 or seven or so. And it disappeared, and then all of a sudden, here it was again. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's you so know, funny. But, be, uh-huh. It's so funny because you've always been the one to preach patience whenever there's a changeover in the writing and, and producing team. Well, how you know how much patience? I mean, with, you know, between you know all those years of McTavish, which yeah. I watched, and Charles Pratt, which I have to say I stopped watching because it was just the most awful thing in the world to watch a soap that the writers really didn't like and didn't care about. <laughs> And, and I, you know, it didn't make a lot of sense, to tell you the truth. And, I mean, I literally have never stopped watching that show, and I've literally put it down. So, you know, if I put it down, everybody has their own their own points, their own um, breaking points, and that was mine, you know. And I know it was everybody else's, too, with uh, Pratt. So for, you know, the, for them to bring back the old, all my children from 10 years ago was like a miracle. <laughs> you know, what's funny to me is we all kind of thought that this time – you know, AMC had reached the point of no return. That the damage, right. the damage uh-huh. wrought by this regime was what had run so deep and so wide that there was just no saving it this time. And yet, you know, they have the the atypical sense to bring in a real writer, a real storyteller, and well, in in a matter of mere weeks, the show is already well on the road to recovery. Well, I don't think it was the atypical sense. I mean, I have no inside information on this, but you know, Agnes Nixon has been at the network for 50 years and knows how to has clout, and I know that, you know, this is her baby. She's not going to let it go. And if you notice, Agnes, you know, well, who was brought back was Agnes's, you know, favorite writer, and Agnes has actually been involved in this. It's not like, oh, you know, let's bring back a good writer. They brought back the writer, the person who who made all my children and who made the wonderful soap we loved all those years. And the fact that they gave her the power to do that is just amazing. It's like once in a lifetime. Tell me this, though. Why on earth does this industry keep having to learn the same lesson over and over and over again? That the, well, that, is the, that the, is the question. The true secret to success is good writing, good writing, good writing. Right. But, you know, it's been how long now? You know, 10 years? And uh, what could I say? I mean, this is, this is the mystery of the universe, <laughs> which someone will solve someday. It might be me. But, um, I have many, many ideas, but I, I, in a million years, I never expected them to bring back a sample. I think that they, General Hospital Night Shift had been a sample also. I was reading back through my old columns. Uh-huh. That was really old-fashioned soap opera. You know, it was about humanity and love, and people said, I love you all the time. And So they have brought it back more than once, but we haven't seen a continuation, and I think that's the big problem. Exactly. You know, it, it, it's very funny because, you know, when they fired Pratt, you and I were speaking privately, and I said something like, wouldn't it be funny if they brought back Lorraine Broderick? And you said something like, there's no way they'll bring back Lorraine Broderick. And then, and then sure enough, here, here it happened. Well, as I said, you know, Agnes is a mystic. And, you know, she's a very magical person. And, uh, you know, she was very close with Lorraine. You know, I haven't, you know, hadn't talked to them in like 10 years, but I remember very well because I had done a lot of interviews with them. And, mm-hmm. and, 
you know, they're very close. And uh, I guess somehow she got Lorraine to come back. And thank God, you know, what we saw was amazing. And what we're seeing is amazing. And, uh, and that was one of the reasons that I wrote those columns, because you can't write columns about soap operas that have no depth and no character. What are you going to say? They're bad? <laughs> but, but, but when, you know, Lorraine and Agnes give you something to write about, it's a gift. It's a gift, and that's why I was just so happy to be able to write those columns about them. Because, you know, look at the depth. Look at the thinking that went into a lot of the, the storylines that you saw. You know, for example, look at J.R. with his cancer. I mean, he had his cancer, but look at the way they played it. They played it as a family. They played it not as a gimmick. They paid, You know, everybody had scenes with each other, I love you, I love you, which is what happens when someone dies. And is going to die, and, you know, you have these powerful, powerful scenes between Adam and his son and mm-hmm. Pat and his son and J.R. and his son. So it was beautiful. You could see the progression of family through the generations. When was the last time you saw that on daytime? And they brought back Julia Barr, which was a magnificent stroke of, of genius. I yes, mean, and, and not just to bring her back, but to see this storyline through her eyes because she had not been in town. She knew everyone, but she had not been around in a long time. So that's called real writing. That's what real writers do. You see, as I wrote in my column, it's craft. It's not like, oh, let's blow up a ship. You know, let's or bring, let's have a tornado. Let's have a tornado, yeah. or let's bring someone back and you know have them be have have them blow up uh, you know the hospital and leave after a day. Uh, this was like real knowledge of the show and knowledge of humanity. What more could you ask for? How how did this happen? I mean, was it just as simple as Agnes's clout, or was there is there a bigger? Because I mean, you know, I have no idea because I am not in touch with the executives. I I have I'm in the same position that you are. I only can say what I know because I knew these people years ago. Gotcha. I however I do not, and I I want to say this very very uh, clearly. I do not subscribe to the stuff I read online because it's gossip. <laughs> it's not fact. And uh, we'll we'll talk about this one has to do with One Life to Live. So, yes, it's nice to get news, but I really don't believe what I read online anymore. I can only believe what I I see on the screen and what I know. But, you know, I mean, if you talk about Agnes's clout, why didn't she have the clout to stop Pratt when he was just literally plundering the show? I have no idea. I don't know anything. It's called network politics. You know, she does not own the show. She's not the vice president of daytime. I have no idea how this all happened. I am only surmising it. You mentioned David Canary. Given the fact that, for all intents and purposes, he has essentially never left the front burner for the entire 27 years that he's right. been on the show, uh-huh. how incalculable is his imminent loss? It's just unbelievable. You know, I did not appreciate him until I actually went to the set one day, and I, I interviewed him for the, uh, you know, the Academy, the TV Academy. Sure, yeah. All about his, you know, his whole career. And I watched him on the set. And if you notice, everybody who's on the show is like, 20 or 30 years younger than him, and just to watch him work with these people, it's amazing to see his enthusiasm and his genius and and his, he motivates the whole show, and I didn't know that until I actually was there and saw it. You know, he's the kind of actor, as I wrote um, in We Love Soaps, uh, 25 Best Actors, or whatever it was, he's like Larry Brigman, he's so good you don't even realize he's acting, you just think he's Adam or Stewart. (laughs) You know, and that's one in a zillion these days. There's no more Larry Brigman. So I think his loss is going to be incalculable, and I just don't know how they're going to make up for it. You know, they've got Vincent, and he's great, and, uh, you know, uh, they've got Michael Knight, and he's great, and they have 
Oh, my goodness, I'm so old that I can't even remember names anymore. <laughs> they are, and he's fabulous. So You know, it, it's amazing to, to think that in an industry that has become so youth-obsessed over the past you know decade or two that the lead star of this show is 80 years old, basically. I mean, it's, Well, I don't it's, know if he's 80. I think he's in his late 70s. Okay. But he has the goods. He has the talent, and that's what makes daytime go. And uh, that's what the best writers know. You use the best actors to their best advantage. The online vitriol that I've seen pointed toward incoming head writers Donna Swiderski and, and David Kreisman in recent weeks has been a little bracing to me because, you know, first of all, none of their material is at the air yet. And second, Swiderski did some some startlingly good work on Another World years ago. I mean, I realize that it was a different era altogether for soaps, but, you know, oh. good good work is good work. Yeah, yeah. As I, I wrote in one of my columns, I knew her a million years ago when she was at ABC Daytime, and she was a very nice person. That doesn't mean you're a great writer, and she did do nice work in Another World. I think she really did. And um, I'm not like the people online that I remember every minute, every era of, of what <laughs> everyone did. But um, I just don't think it's fair to, in my first draft of the column, I had written some nasty things too, and I said, "But wait a minute, they're not on the air. Give that, you know, you don't talk about a TV show before it premieres. You don't talk about an opera before it starts. Absolutely. You don't talk about a play <laughs> before it's on. So why, you know, I can give them a day or a week or something. You know, that's what the problem is with, you know, this whole philosophy is, uh, you know, I know what the writer's going to do. Honey, I invented that." <laughs> You know, I'm the person who invented this, you know, the writer is, is what the show is. So, you know, it's ridiculous. It's, you know, give these guys a chance. Absolutely. I'm not optimistic. I read their interviews, and, you know, I'm not optimistic, but let them be on the air, for God's sake. Absolutely. Well, you know, and the other thing is people can say what they want about the subject, but, you know, to me, Kreisman did some incredible work during his tenure at Guiding Light, and at least in my view, that show's failure ultimately had very little to do with anything that Kreisman did or didn't do. Well, you know, this is the point. I don't even think head writers have any power anymore. I think it all comes from the network. And, you know, through the strict interpretation of he did that and he did this, yes, we could see a lot of the good stuff, especially on One Life. But, you know, I don't know who does what anymore. You see, you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. You just don't know. And in, at least in the last couple, like when Suggesty did Another World, you know who did what. And, you know, the most confusing being uh, One Life to Live. I, you know, but you could see it on the screen. You know that Broderick did what she did because it was like a unified vision. But you look at One Life to Live and there's like a hundred visions, and that's what the problem is, <laughs> one of the many, many problems that they have. But then again, you know, who controls who? No one knows. It's it, you know it's impossible to know because there's so many fingers in the pot. I mean, yeah, the, the, exactly. the people who the people who did it probably don't even know. No, and you know I remember years ago you know and this was a long time ago like Doug Marlin used to say you have to have a unified vision, and Paul Rash would say you have to have a unified vision and you do. You know look at Y and R. I mean no matter how bad it is, there's a vision there. They're doing a certain thing. I mean I don't really like it, but you could see that you know Paul is the producer and Maria is producing and. You know, people are writing. You could see that at least it's one show, or as you look at something like One Life, and look, you know, it's like a hundred different shows in one. And who, you know, what is happening? We only have gossip, and what we see on the screen. Absolutely. You know, I, I think I think that we'll both agree that the hottest, most controversial, most mystifying, most compelling story going on in all of daytime right now isn't actually playing out on screen anywhere, but it's in the executive offices over at One Life to Live. Yeah, you know, it's really sad. I have to what in the hell is going on over there, Carl? I don't know. Before, before I say anything, I have to say I love that show. I've watched it since 1970. If it's canceled, I will cry like a baby, okay? And also, I'm a card-carrying member of the Erica Slazak fan club <laughs> because, her, you know, because I love Erica, but mostly because her fan club president is an old, old friend. But 
anything I say about One Life Bad, I just want people to remember. I love that yes. show. You're also a card-carrying member of the Robin Strasser fan club. You've oh, her God, for, God, God, yes, yes. But I've had more of a tumultuous relationship with Robin than I've had with Erica over the years. But, um, of course, you know, Robin is my also, you know, one of his, not my, you know, Eric and Robin are my all-time favorite soap actresses, although there are many others, but what's going on at One Life? Where do we begin? <laughs> you know, I, and I also I want to point something else out. I hate to, you know, I've written about their problems for three years, okay? People think it's just because of Kish mm-hmm. or it's just because of Mitch Blake, but if you look back at my columns, I have been writing critical things about them for three years, and, you know, this whole... You know, everyone else is watching the show, and I'm just looking at it, trying to write what's on the screen. And you were really the first to kind of jump on and say, wait a minute, this isn't, this isn't exactly, you know, soap nirvana here. Well, you know, first of all, I think it was overhyped. I, I don't want to go into it, but, you know, especially the head writer, personally, you know, I think he's good. And he did a very nice story in the beginning, you know, that diner story. But the personal hype was ridiculous. I, I will not name names, but... Um, but, you know, I think that really bothered me in the beginning was it wasn't even the show. It was just like the way they were abusing, you know, portions of the audience, namely, A, women, and now they've abused the, you know, the, they've abused the, you know, with getting rid of Kish. I mean, what is that? That's really abusing, <laughs> you know. But I had to really started writing about the abuse of women because it really, and the mentally ill, it really bothered me. You know, the first thing I think I wrote was when they turned Addie into a, a mentally ill person into a comic character, and that just blew me away that they would do something like that, you know, because mentally ill people are not funny. You know, remember when she was, like, wearing scuba gear on her head, and you know, that's the time she kind of married David and yeah. slept with him? I mean, please, you know, and people writing me letters like, oh, lucky Addie, you know? <laughs> that is not what a mentally ill person is like. And, you know, they had always been very careful with Addie, and the actress is superb. You know, I just saw her in an off-Broadway play. And all of a sudden, they're making her into a laughing stock. <laughs> you know, you hear me ranting and raving? Yeah, I do. But I have written, you know, I have written this. I mean, people can go back and look at my column, you know. And, and Ro- look at poor Robin, you know. They had, can I say this on your show? They had her a blowjob on, <laughs> on daytime television? <laughs> you know, how debasing can you be towards an, an older actress? You know, people wrote me like, well, what's wrong with that, you know. It's an act of beauty and love. Sure it is, but not at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So, I mean, you're, I mean, you're laughing, and I know it sounds very funny, but, I mean, who let this stuff on the air? Well, you know, and I think you and I have both been disgusted by, by their, their attempts to turn Todd into, into the Cary Grant of daytime. Right, thank you. Did you say that? Did you kill him that? Somebody else called him that. Did I call him that? Somebody called him that. And, and it wasn't me. I think it was one of my letter writers. It's, it's true. I mean, they've just been making him better and better and better. That was another reason I gave up because... You know, they had done it very slowly. But it was ridiculous. Why would Taya be in love with him again? Why would Blair be in love with him again after right. all? Right, and yeah. why would they have cat fights over him again? <laughs> you know, didn't he, like, throw his own daughter down the stairs a year ago? Todd is like another case, you know. He, he's always been an aberration on that show. And, you know, I've written many columns on him, like, you know, I hate Todd and all that. But it was too an extreme lately. He, you know, he's just one of the problems. I read the gossip that he, you know, is playing hardball with his contract. Will we get Howarth again? I don't know. It's all gossip. I don't know. It's just one of the many decisions. This, this is what I'm saying, you know. There are so many bad decisions that were made. You know, it's executive malfeasance. That's what I've called it all along. <laughs> you know, that's exactly, I mean, you, you know, you and I have been watching these shows for a hell of a long time. Have you ever heard of a soap 
voluntarily showing its most popular couple. And, you know, when I say most popular, I mean by a landslide. Uh-huh. The door with, you know, nothing more than some half-hearted, half-assed PR double talk offered up as meager explanation. It's all a mystery. I mean, I think that uh, they were the most popular couple online, but somehow, somewhere in the executives, who knows, they said, well, you know, maybe they're not the most popular couple, and that is really, really what, I don't know. I, I don't know. And uh, But they shouldn't have pulled it at all because the fans were there. And since when do you, you know, since when do you offend the fans So in a failing self? You know, and they weren't just fans who were gay. They were fans. I liked them. I had no problem with them. I watched them. Why get rid of them? It makes no sense whatsoever. You know, I, I, I realize that actors leave, and that's something else altogether. I mean, you know, sure, Jeannie Francis left, and right. Stephen Nichols left, and Marcy Walker left, and that's primarily why right. uh-huh. why those iconic couplings dissolved. But, you know, to just up and eliminate a couple with an army of fans, uh-huh. uh, many of whom were lured to the show exclusively to watch this couple for crying out loud. I agree. But, you know, something radical is happening with the show that we don't know about, and... Um, you know, they used to the excuse the story is over. Well, I watched yesterday, and it, you know, and they got the baby, and it was very beautiful. And you know, I could see where you might want to end the story there. But you know, since when do couples end? Popular couples end. You know, look at Rachel and Mac, and Luke and Laura, and every other couple on daytime. They go on forever. They're popular. Right? You've watched all these years. Maybe sure. one couple that just ended for no reason. Absolutely. I mean, you know, if you think about Bo and Hope, they've been going for 30 years on Days of Our Lives. Right, and, and right. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, actors leave, and that's another thing altogether. But right. this is this is something else entirely. Right. So, you know, I think it has more to do with, you know, somebody wrote me that it was in fear of homosexuality. I don't really think that was it. I just don't know what it was. But I don't think it was that. I mean, this is America, you know? This is America, and they had a huge hit on their hands. You know, whether or not it was just the online people, people watched the show, just like you said. But on the other hand, you know, in TV, it's all about numbers. You mentioned ABC possibly being homophobic, and and you don't believe it. You know, well, there's how could they? This is America. You know, look (laughs) at prime time, look at movies. You know, look at real life. To me, to my eye, as soaps came into their own in the, in the late 70s and, and into the 80s and 90s, you know, the lines of, of demarcation became pretty clear in the industry. And so, you know, CBS, by and large, became the network whose shows were mostly conservative, very Midwestern, very prim. Right, well, and, that's P&G, yeah. And NBC became the network with the escapist shows, you know, very romantic, very fanciful, 80s, yeah. very easily digestible. And, you know, ABC became the network with the socially progressive soaps. You know, I, I realize times have changed radically, but I, I think historically one would think that ABC would be the one network that could get away with, you know, telling a gay love story on a long-term basis as they as they tried to. And, you know, I have to tell you, as a gay man who has watched One Life for 22 straight years, it's my favorite soap, I have to tell you that I was never prouder to be a, a fan of this show and this network as I was last fall, and I am absolutely revolted by the... I know. How could they, how could they do that? You know, how could they... How could they diss... You know, I won't even use the word. How could they just their fans that way? And I'm not going to argue against this, but, you know, Kish was not woven really into the Kansas, except for Roxy, and they never had a scene with Vicky. They never had a scene with Dorian. They never had a scene with Bob Woods. You know, where does that... I don't understand any of that. Yeah. You know, whereas as the world turns, yeah, they had some really crazy stories, you know, and even the first one was pretty nutty, but at least they were regular characters. I mean... You know, uh, uh, Luke is the son of Martha Byrne. Sure. I mean, you know, so Kish was kind of came in. They were kind of superimposed, which is okay, you know, which is fine. But um, as the world turns, is not getting any credit in this, you know. But Kish was very high profile, and it did attract a lot of people. 
And if and you know if you if if it's, if it's realistic, and I think they've done a great job of making it realistic. That's why people loved it. Absolutely. You know, and and that was the whole point. I think was very much to do a storyline as I wrote that is totally equal with a, a heterosexual storyline, and they've totally pulled it off. Love, sex, attraction, children, intelligence. <laughs> You know, they did every, you know, they had a person who came in between them briefly. What's his name? Nick Rodriguez. Uh You know, they ran it as a regular story. And, yes, Ron Carlovetti made a a magnificent point with that story. He really did. And why they're pulling it, I just don't understand. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, you know, the cavalier way with which they're uh, blaming the gay storyline for the show's ratings woes and are therefore dismissing it summarily and almost gleefully is, is really disgusting to me. It just is. I know, but, you know, they were also, you know, are they blaming it? Yeah, and that's disgusting. But, you know, they also, look what they did. It wasn't they had low ratings. I mean, look at Mitch. <laughs> I mean, come on. Who would watch that? I mean, he was like Frankenstein. Who wants to watch soap of that? As I said, a guy that wants to screw his own daughter, okay? <laughs> and that was on at the same time. I mean, you don't hear about that. A lot of my readers wrote me that. If Fisher being blamed, then, it's, you know, as I said, it's wrong, wrong, wrong on 10,000 levels. Well, I mean, here's the quote from, from Michael Logan's column a couple of days ago. I mean, the ABC daytime PR chief, Jory Peterson, now says, I know Jory, yeah. Uh-huh. The Kish story did not have the appeal. We hoped it would. We are going to spend our time on stories that have a more favorable reaction from our audience. I mean, that's... Well, I hope they get killed for that. <laughs> I mean, that's as, that's as clear as day. Would, I mean, that's, you know... Yes, I, that's pretty bad. That is bad. That is very bad. And uh, they're inviting whatever they get for that. You know, PR is is a hard thing to do, and... But, you know, I have known other PR, other PR regimes and other vice presidents, and they would never, ever handle it that way, ever in a million years. You know, I was really great friends with Rhody Rosenzweig. You know who Rhody's is named after? Uh, sure, yeah. And she was the best publicist they ever had in the history of ABC, you know. And, and you know, are we, uh, it's a, I, you know we, she was guest in my class, but, you know, they would never handle it this way. I, it's so bizarre. It doesn't make any sense. To be, they're being antagonistic towards their own fans? What is that about? Very few of which they can afford to lose. Yeah, what is this about? Even even more ridiculous to me, with, with Crystal Hunt and Scott Clifton and Scott Evans all being fired, one of the show's main stories for the past year and a half just vanishes without a trace. Well, you know, this is what happens sometimes at the end of a show. They get really panicky, and they say, oh, we have to change directions. And I think that's what they're doing, and... You know, I've seen this on other shows, and they say, oh, we have to try new things. So this is what happens at the end of a show. The people get panicky, and they make these abrupt, ridiculous changes because they say, oh, this could save the show. Well, I don't know what, you know, it's bothering me because, you know, all of a sudden they, you know, boom. But it has gone down really badly in the last three years. It's not just Kish. It's many, many things. Sure. You know, I mean, Elaine... Oh, mismanagement. Laying, laying Kish aside for a second, how on earth could they have let Scott Clifton slip away? I mean... I know. Isn't that crazy? You know, I, even, watching, I couldn't even watch his, his scenes yesterday. It hurt me so much. Even even with doping material, he's one of the finest actors under 30 in all of daytime. And he right. creates he creates chemistry with everybody he works with. Right. But you know what? I, you know, there are so many other forces at play. You know, there's the, they're going to redo the show if they can't use him. And also, you know, it might also even, we never know, be politics. I mean, we've never, you know, I think the politics on that show, and again, I do not know anything, but the politics are really, really strange, don't you think? Somebody wrote me a letter about, oh, you know, they gave the whole show to Gigi because Gigi is friends with the producers, and who knows it's happened in the past. I don't know. I mean, she's not the strongest actress in the world. Why is she the lead? 
you could see it on the screen. It's not like, oh, you hear the gossip. You could see it on the screen. Vicky, who's, you know, Erica Slasek and, and Robin Strasser, who are the finest actresses there are, and why are they not on, and why is Gigi the lead of the show? <laughs> you know, we've talked about this privately, but this whole crazy situation just kind of reinforces for me my primary gripe about this show, which is that none of it has any real resonance. You know, I, I think that I think that Ron Carlovati is a terrific writer. I really do. But I'll tell you something. When, when Michael Malone was writing this show, particularly the first time around, even during his not-so-great periods, you got a sense that we really were eavesdropping on real people living in a real town. You know what I'm saying? Because Michael Malone is a, is a real is a you know a, a literary real writer. But also you have to remember those were the days when soaps had money and they were not panicking and they had the the luxury to do what they wanted. If Ron Carlovetti had been around in the 80s, he would be you know. I mean, again, I am not as religious to him as a lot of people are. But you know, who knows what he could have done? What would Doug Marlin do today? Nobody knows. Yeah. You know, look at Agnes, the best writer of all, and what happened to her. You know, it just it, it really disheartens me that as as interesting and even compelling as some of the writing has been under Carlovati's tenure, you know, we don't get that same sense of community on the show today. You know, there's very little emotional resonance and gravity beneath any of the scenes in any given episode. And you know, when the actors are are crafty enough to actually try and create some, their reward almost to a man is to get fired. It's a mess. The show is a mess. And that's what happens when it's out of control. If you watch, do you watch General Hospital? I do watch General Hospital. You know, there's, I, there are things that, I mean, I could just rave and rant, but you could watch individual scenes and individual storylines. You know, I detest the show because of Sonny. I detest it. But if you watch some of the individual scenes in the Christina story, I mean, those are well done, and you really get to see a heart there somewhere. Absolutely. But the rest of the show is horrible. You just want to, you know, throw it out the window. Did you, Did you watch it yesterday? Yes. Honest to God, isn't Nancy Lee Gron one of the most spectacular actresses? But she has been for 30 years. They just never use her. Don't you remember Santa Barbara? I, of course I remember Santa Barbara. I know, but I'm saying they never use her. You know, the look on her face yesterday when she realized that she was the one who had who had mowed down Kiefer, it was pure theater. I mean, it was just so riveting she and so is real. Nancy Gron. She is a real actress, and they let her have that moment. They haven't let her do anything. In, in, you know, what she's really done, and what I admire, is that she's played a very strong mother. And I have to think that, you know, somebody stood up to Guza, and it probably was, you know, somebody stood up and let her do that. That's a really nice family with the daughters. Mm-hmm. You know, probably the only realistic thing on the show. <laughs> it's true. Could I just say something about GH? Oh, my God, I'm pouring it out here. To me, it's all a big cover-up for Sonny. You know, all of a sudden, they didn't do a social, sto- you know, a social issue story for, you know, 10 years, and all of a sudden, Sonny uh-huh. shoots someone, and they're doing a big social issue story. Don't you think that's, that's questionable? Well, I mean, how much longer are they going to be able to get away with with their attempts to paint Sonny as a victim rather than as a vile monster? I mean, you know, this man they shot. Done, they've done a, I know. I he know. shot an unarmed cop at close range in the chest. Exactly, you know, or as my friend uh, PJS says, you know, it's the end of civilization as we know it. Because when you shoot a cop, you're shooting, you know, you're shooting civilization. But the thing is, it's been evil the way they've covered the whole thing up by doing this Christina story, you know, and by having everyone be on his side. Please, it's ridiculous, you know. Is Sonny jumping up and saying, "Oh, that bitch deserves to die"? <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> You know, and also it's all being done to a noble Sonny because he's taken the rap from Michael. So everything on that show is done to save Sonny. But as a dear friend of mine said, as soon as he shot Sante, it, it, it shortens his life no matter what. But they will get him out of this as they've gotten out of him out of everything. It's not even beyond morality. It's beyond reasoning. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's not that, oh, it's wrong to shoot a cop. It's, oh, it's wrong to shoot a cop and have his mother just 
Do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. There's only so much they could brainwash you, and that's another reason I stopped watching. <laughs> One of the main reasons, actually, because you're insulting my intelligence when you do that. What do you make of them letting Drew Garrett go? I have no I mean, idea. Are, are they just nuts, or is there a method to the mad- to the particular madness? Here? I have no idea. I was just as shocked as everybody else. I thought he did a magnificent job. Really shocked, and you know, who knows what the uh, you know? I, I was speculating with this with another friend. I'm thinking, well, maybe it was the contract, or you know, obviously the actors all came out and supported him. When do you see that? Absolutely. No, and they were all very public about it. So. I don't know. I mean, maybe they really are going to make the story go in a different direction. I, what, you know, what direction could it go? And he, sh- you know, he sh- he killed someone. Well, you know, it's it's certainly true that Garrett was not typical soap beefcake, but neither was Jonathan Jackson back in the day. And you know, just like Jackson, you watch Garrett and you're amazed by what you see. He's got a real soulful quality. I mean, there's a yeah. real life in his eyes. You know. Yeah, and he's you know he's no Jonathan Jackson because Jonathan Jackson has grown up to be you know probably one of, next to Canary, one of the most amazing. Actions you'll ever see, and the only reason it's on a soap is because he's not getting movie parts because that sensitive thing is not being done in movies now. But I think Drew Garrett was at the, you know, he's going to have a great career, and uh, he's learning. He's just a kid, you know. You've got to learn, and I just don't understand why they got rid of him in the middle of the big story. Something is happening there. I think it might be story related. I, I don't. It doesn't seem like it was personal, especially with all the actors, you know, being so upset. Don't you yeah. think? I, and, and if it was politics, you would have heard it through certain gossip channels, I'm sure. And and it's crazy. It really is. But, you know, they have replaced people at, at the height of their storylines in other times. But, uh, you know, I mean, there were, I mean, it happened last year on on Young and the Restless with with Adam. But, you know, I mean, that was a case of, of him actually walking off the set and, you know, refusing to play the Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. And, I mean, look at the actor they got. He's, you know, I think he should win the Emmy this year. <laughs> Oh, I think Michael Mulvaney is guy definitely gave him the best performances of the year. I don't like the character, but I just think he's been, you know, magnificent. You know, he he just was the the fulcrum of the show for such a long time, and and he pulled it off. I and, think you know to come in in a very very tough spot and just you know swim swim through it. Yeah, exactly, and to have a sense of humor. I know that he tweets and stuff, and he was very you know you know he laughed a lot about a lot of it, but he was fascinating, don't you think? Absolutely, no question about it. Right, and you know, I, I also help it. I also think that it helped that he had Paul as a producer because Paul, Paul knows who's good. You know, watch his soap. You know, he does a lot of bad stuff, but you know, he knows his actors. He really does. Looks back to another world. He always knows his actors, and um, you know, he's. I'm sure he is more than anyone upset that Molly is, is has left or is going. He's left, right? Uh, you know, it's it's not really clear. I mean, they're they're being. They're being pretty tight-lipped about it. I mean, you know, I think he's gone. Yeah. I think maybe you know. I think that he has. You know, that's the thing is a lot of these actors see that it's, the end is coming, and they want to pursue the rest of their careers. Who could blame them? Yeah. Look at um, well, I guess Drew Garrett is one, and I don't think he really wanted to go. But look at that girl who played uh, Kim on One Life to Live. I mean, she could have had a humongous future on that show. She had to learn how to act, but you know, she, <laughs> you know, she had that. Thing that people liked, you know, people liked her villain. You know, she could have been a very good young villainess, but she left. In the old days, you would have stuck around, uh-huh. you know. So I think that a lot of the really good young actors are saying, Sayonara. <laughs> I'm being very blunt. Is that bad? <laughs> no, not at all. You know, but I'm saying it's a real loss. It's a humongous loss. Even to one life to live. I mean, I did not, you know, I thought Kimmy was a... You know, was a, a slut and a whore, you know, but she was interesting to watch. So, you know, it's a real loss for them. And 
you know, I did see the one dramatic story. You know, the one of the the only the only scene that was horrible she really botched was you know when Stacy drowned and she sat by the lake and cried. Yeah. Did you see that? I did see that. She was awful, <laughs> awful, awful. Hold her up to acting school. You know, but but you know she could have learned. She could learn, and I'm sure she'll be very hot when she goes back to prime time because they're not looking for like. You know, serious actresses now. They're looking for beautiful faces and people who can kind of pull it off. And, you know, maybe she'll do okay. If not, she'll just come back. <laughs> I'm know, really carrying on here, aren't I? Not at all. It's, uh, <laughs> that's what you're here for. Uh-huh. You know, y- y- you mentioned Adam. What did you think of the of the recent climax of the Adam story? You know, Well, I didn't watch a lot of it, I have to say, because the whole show, as pointed out by my friend and uh, former protege, uh, Patrick Irwin, he did a great column on that. Young and Restless is this dark, 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 and it's really hard to watch. But I did see this, the confession scene, okay. you know, where he confessed to Sharon, okay. and I thought it was really well done, really well done. The story, you know, I, 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 it was okay. I had interviewed, um, no, I knew the guy who played the doctor, and um, years ago I had interviewed him, a very distinguished stage actor, and yeah, it's a typical soap story, you know, but um, what did you think? You know, I found it all a bit anticlimactic. You know, uh-huh. it felt to me like the story just kind of snowballed on them, and they and they were powerless to stop it. And you know, I I got the feeling that if if Bill were still writing the show, he would have stretched it out for another three years. Yeah, but those are different days. Yeah. You know, of course he would. Remember David Kimball? Uh, sure. Remember yeah. Killer? Remember, <laughs> Killer uh, on his head. Yeah. Cassandra Rollins. I mean, they they stretched that story out for two or three years. Who killed right. George Rollins? Right. And even on that show, they can't do it anymore. You know. And you're right. The show it really did snowball. It was too fast. Just like every other show story is. And but that was a really strong story, I think. Sure. You know, as silly and goofy as as a great many of their stories are, Young and the Restless is the one show that best holds my attention in day in and day out. Really? Yeah. I, I'm surprised because most people said one life. That, I think that's a fa- fantastic. Maybe it's the actors. Maybe it's the audacity of some of their stories. I'm not sure, but it's, I, it's called it's called production. It, it's called the actors and producers are on the same page. <laughs> and they have fabulous actors, but it's not the actors. The actors are great. They're always great. You know, you've got so many great actors on that show. You've got Peter Bergman sure. and Kristen LeBlanc and. So many great actors. Michelle Stafford. I mean, I could watch her do anything. You could watch, you know, me too. But I'm saying somebody has to pull it together. And Maria and Paul have pulled it together. Now, I haven't liked most of the stuff they've done, but they're there and they have a unified vision. You know, Paul had a unified vision on Guiding Light and I hated it. (laughs) But at least there's a vision, you know, he's done good things and bad things. But, you know, there's a vision there. It, It started out very well when he came in, and then it just kind of went down, you know, it's 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 it's, uh, it's much stronger than any show you'll see on ABC, because at least one thing is happening, not 12 things. Sure. You know, are are they trying to tell too many stories simultaneously right now? I mean, you know, you, you get characters like Tucker and Daniel and Amber and Kane and Lily and Malcolm and Jill, and, you know, they'll yeah, play... Yeah, they've got a lot of characters on that show. They'll yeah. play heavy for a few days, and then they'll disappear for weeks at a time, and, yeah. and it can be extremely jarring, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. I I was really upset because I loved the original Tucker. I was a William Russ fan from another world, and a friend of mine and I always loved William Russ because he was just so appealing and human and funny. And when they brought him back, I was shocked because I guess Rash must have known him from another world, and I loved him. I thought he was great with Jill, fantastic. And you know, he was replaced because he was old, and also because they wanted Stephen Nichols. I think that was that was the thing. I think they had wanted him from the beginning. I read, but 
um, Tucker is a whole other story. You know, there should be Tucker and two other stories, not Tucker and five million other stories. Yes. You know, I never thought of that. So, you yeah. know, thank you for saying that. But there are a lot of stories on that show, which is great because on most other shows there are no stories. Sure. But, you know, in conjunction with that, stories will play for months, perfectly paced, and then all of a sudden they'll just go haywire and rush to an unsatisfactory conclusion. Again, I think it's the times. I think that it's, you know, I think it's the times. I think everybody wants to get things in. You know, everybody wants to grab those ratings now. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, at least you could see a long term on that show, and you could see kind of what they're going to do on one life. What is the long term? Can you see what they're doing? Not at all. That's exactly the point. I thought I could six months ago, but, but yeah. it's just it's it's all just completely berserk now. Yeah, and and they're all berserk in a way, but you know, but at least they're doing it professionally on Young and Restless. <laughs> you know, no, but I'm serious. I mean, they are doing a good professional job, whereas. You know, what is happening with One Life? I mean, we're going, we keep going back to that. It's, it's just so sad. It's so sad. It's, as I said, if that show goes off, I'll cry like a baby. <laughs> but, you know, Young and Restless is a well-produced show. What, I mean, what do you think? I mean, you said you, you could watch it every day, right? Well, I mean, it's, it's the, I have to tell you, I'm backed up about 15 episodes on, on One Life on the DVR. And, and I mean, I, I catch, you know, little snippets here and there, but... But I tell you what, Y&R is the one show that I can watch every day, and I and I really can't tell you exactly why because most of their stories are complete. I mean, this Emily Patty thing is ridiculous. This, oh. this old <laughs> oh god, that's that's really bad. That reminds me of Guiding Light, you know. And, this you know, old Daisy Ryder thing is ridiculous, but you know, it's still the one show that you can sit down and watch, right? And 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 get something from. I mean, you know, the actors are great. You know, uh-huh. it's. As I said, it's well produced. The show looks beautiful. I mean, you know, it's yeah. it's an easy show to watch. Uh huh. Just from a just from a production standpoint. Because he's got the old master there doing what he's done for forty years. You know, he's producing the show. Most of these shows don't even look like they have a producer now. You know, and it doesn't even look there are shows that don't even look like they're produced. <laughs> no, it's true. You know, it's it's true and it's scary. It's very scary. But you know, I have problems with that show because you know they have the same elements as misogyny that 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 other shows has that One Life has. I mean, look what they did to. Um, Oh God! Um, my name, the names, the names escape me sometimes. Um, the other, you know, the woman who had the baby. Um, she thought it was by Victor. Oh, uh, Ashley and Sharon. Look what they yeah. did to Ashley! Yeah. I mean, they totally trashed her. So misogynistic. So they've got the same elements as, as One Life. So that's why you know One Life isn't the only offender. You know, and 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 look what they're doing now with uh, the bear. Uh, with the uh, Explosion and and people who are held captive. And yeah, they've got Jana locked up in a box right now. And oh God, I hate that story. <laughs> that is the worst daytime story. Isn't that horrible? You know, is 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 it Sheila yet again, or are we headed for a surprise here? Oh, it has to be. Who else could it be behind the mask? Who could it be? There's nobody else. You know, I, I've been I've been racking my brain myself, and I can't think of it. I mean, you know, There's no one else. And also, it's right for Sheila to come back because they just got rid of. Uh, Adam, they have to have a big villain. Yeah. Well, they've still got Patty running around on the loose. So. I know, but that's just out to lunch. You know, that's another thing they could have done so much better. And it's, it's, you know, a real. I think it's a real mistake. You know, I think it was fun for a little while, but they shouldn't have it go on and on and on. It's not funny. It was campy to be in the beginning, and it wasn't funny in the beginning, but it's not funny anymore. Right? I mean, it's an old soap story. You know, the sisters are sure. the other identity. Sure. But. I don't know. You look at Jack and you say, why would Jack put up with a woman like this? 
for Well, and the thing that bothers me is that Patty was so clearly crazy. I mean, she couldn't control herself, and all of a sudden she's she's got it all together, and she's, you know... Doesn't make a lot of sense. Very convincingly, you know, passing herself off as a doctor, and it's it's a little far-fetched. Yeah. I realize we're talking about soaps here, and soaps are far-fetched by nature, but, I know. you know, even even given that, this is far-fetched. This is out there. Well, it's like, you know, it's not the clone story, but, you know, it's approaching the clone. You know, the clone to me was the silliest story ever <laughs> in the history of daytime. You know, even Marlene Levitating was smarter than the clone. And um, but this this this, yeah, this is an old soap story, but it's being played too much. You know what I'm saying? They're they're just really, you know, atten- you know they were attenuating storylines. In other words, they're making them so melodramatic. You know, because they want to catch the ratings. But this one is just like you know, it's, it's like old, and you just really can't blow this up as much as they've had. What do, what do you think? And yet you watch it every day because you want to see what happens next. Well, I don't watch it every day. And uh, uh, that's another story that's disgusts me because it's just so cruel to women. But, you know, I don't know. Everybody has different reactions. You know, I've seen that story done before a million times. Sure. And it didn't really offend me. It just offends me because, you know, I like Jack. I, I think Peter Bergman has turned, you know, as I said, he started out as a nothing on all my children, and I think he's like a, another genius that we didn't, we don't really, he's very underrated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jack is a very old character, and Jack was always wise to everything, so to be fooled by this woman, you know, Jack was always the wisest person on the show and could see through everyone. <laughs> you know, does that make any sense to you? It does. You know, it, it, it's funny, though, that, that the man has won three or four Emmys, and you just called him underrated. Well, I, I, all right. <laughs> You, you, you caught me on that one. But, you know, when you talk about the great actors in daytime, do you think Peter Bergman? Not necessarily. I mean, you always go to Tony Geary and David Canary right, and Eric right, Braden. Right, and, right. Well, you we know. had to do, um, you know, for We Love Soaps, they have a 10, you know, uh, they're doing, you know, the, 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 I guess it's the 50 top actors. Yeah. And, I, you know, I called, you know, they used a lot of my stuff in the, in the 25th. But I've gotten every actor. I, I mean, I have not. My list was so different, you know, and I used Peter Bergman as one of the best actors. I had him right up there in the top ten. I'm sure he's not going to come out in the top ten. And I didn't put in, you know, I, I didn't put in, uh, you know, I was trying to judge these people on their acting, and uh, I didn't put in the popular people. So I don't, just don't know if people would say Peter Bergman is a genius actor. I would, you know, because I've watched him over the years start from nothing. It's, it's like it's the same thing with Vincent Rosari. He started with charisma, and now look, you know, He's a great actor now. Sure. You know, you watch him grow through the years. That's one of the great things about daytime. And that's why I don't, you know, I, I don't buy Jack, because Jack would never, ever, never, ever be fooled that way. What do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the one thing that, that you can say in, in defense of that is that he's been so distracted by Ashley and her woes and the whole Jabot thing. And, I mean, he's been he's been very distracted in other parts of his life, and so you can kind of sort of buy that, that he's not really paying close, close attention to uh, Woman he his, his wife and her shenanigans in the way that he would normally if things were, you know. Oh, the writers have you snowed. If things were, <laughs> if things were status quo, he would probably be paying closer attention than he is now because he's so hammered by other things in his life. I mean, nah, that's, that's just bad writing. It's bad <laughs> writing. It's not character-based writing. It's plot. You know, there's a really good example of the fact that it's plot-based. Because it's not about Jack. It's about the plot. Sure. You know, it's about the plot. And let me ask you something about Young and Restless that I don't understand. Where is Melody Thomas Scott? Where is she? I think, that's the, I think that's the question of the, of the year. I mean, it's... Where is she? What's happened? 
she's Nikki. I don't like Nikki, but Nikki has always been on that show all the time. You know, they you know they push Erica Slayback to the back burner, but at least she's on. You know, I mean, I know she had a health problems, but Nikki is a total mystery, isn't it? You know, it, it's it's clear that that something has happened behind the scenes. I, I I wouldn't dare to speculate what, but I have no idea. But I mean, what are they doing to the viewers? We you know, Nikki is a favorite, and she's not on. You know. But again, yeah, they did get rid of uh, Marlena, and uh, you know they did get rid of uh, uh, Deirdre Hall and Drake Hogeston. What was that about? Oh, doesn't sound horrible. This is why I don't like to write. You know, there are things I love. You know, there's maybe one or two things I really love. So. But I, I don't like to be so negative, and I and I have been doing a lot of more thinking about the soap path when things are really much better. So. Yeah. You know, that's that's kind of where I've been hiding out. You know, since since last we spoke on this show, word came down that as the world turns would be going off the air in September. Uh-huh. I think, I, you know, I think we all kind of understood that it was not a question of of if, but when this would happen. And you know, given that, were you at all surprised that the axe fell so soon after Guiding oh, Light's final episode? Oh, of course. Episode? Yeah, it's just it's just still a very viable show. You know, it's not awful like parts of one life. It didn't fall apart, and as a a friend of mine pointed out who loves the show, which, you know, the characters are still who they are. You know, Nancy Hughes is still Nancy Hughes, and Jack is still Jack, and, you know, they haven't changed identities, and the families are still there. I mean, as, as a friend, you know, my friend Phil pointed out, I mean, they have the same family from 1956 that they have right now, which is the Hughes. That's, a, that's amazing. You know, it's just like on Days of Our Lives. You know, they still have uh, the Hortons, sure. kind of. You know, but they don't have the same family on One Life or in General Hospital. But As the World Turns is really sho- a shocking. You know, to me, it's a lot more disturbing than Guiding Light because it's not a bad show. Guiding Light was a bad show at the end. What do you think? Well, you know, I mean, given given the evident fact that, that you know, CBS no longer seems interested in, in being in the soap game exactly on a large scale, I'm not sure that anything really could have been done to save the show. Uh, I don't know either because I think it got caught up with P&G, you know, because it's a P&G show. Sure. And, again, the justification was is, is, is the same as every other show that gets canceled. It has bad ratings. But I think it's a crime to, to cancel it. I cried when I heard it was going to go off the air because it's been so much of a part of my life. And it's about, you know, as I wrote about in my column, it's about love and family. Absolutely. You know, it's about love and family no matter what. They do their, you know, they did a lot of long things, like short-term stories and, you know, bringing back everybody 2,000 times. And, you know, they did a lot of things wrong, many, many things. But it's still, a, you know, Oakdale is still a place. Is Landy still a place to you? You said there was no community there. You know, I, so much of that show, and I and I love that show, and I've loved that. I mean, that's been my show for over 20 years. And, right. And, you know, I mean... Landview just feels so cold right now. I mean, it's just hard to. Right. It. I. I don't know. It's. It's hard to. It's hard to summon the. The. It's hard to summon the energy. It. It just is. I feel the same way. And if you notice, a lot of people, if you look online, feel that way too. Well, people people angry about Kish. Yeah. You no. Know? I mean, I'm still angry. These are all lies. For I know you're going to laugh for getting rid of Bill and Susan Hayes, my favorite couple, Julie and Zoe. The first. No, I am for Bo and Hope. That's 30 years, and I'm still angry. <laughs> Because they were the most popular couple on Salt, and they just beat six them. And made them, you know, put them off the air for a long time and made them supporters. You know, if you ever saw them in the 70s, they were just startlingly amazing. 
So, you know, when you do something bad to a viewer, they do not forget, and especially this kiss thing. I mean, this is the lowest thing. This is like one of the lowest thing I, one of the lowest things I've ever seen done on, on in daytime. You know, it's so funny. There's nothing like a soap fan's anger. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's why I told you about my thing about Bone. I like Bone Hope, but I'm just saying I had them not forgiven. Days of Life is 1980. <laughs> Thirty years later. <laughs> How's that for insanity? <laughs> that is insane. You know, think of the things I've done in my life. You know, I went to college. I, you know, I had my whole career. I've become a professor. I got married. Yes, you got married. Yeah, I mean, I've done my whole life, and, and I'm still mad. <laughs> You know, I, I'm going to drag you back here to talk more in depth about World Turns as we get closer to the final episode. But, sure. So, you know, I'll save most of my questions for that time. But what is this show's ultimate legacy going to be, do you think? Family. Family and love. And, Amer- you know, when I used to watch the show, in the, it was very American. You know, they used to have Grandpa use, like, raising the flag. And also the acting has it's always been very, very seriously acted. The actors have always been good on the show. And I don't think they've ever had any clinkers. And also, they never really, except for, like, Mr. Big in the 80s, you know, they've only gone science fiction maybe once or twice, you know, whereas other shows have done it a million times. It was always a very serious show. It was like, as I said, it's like the heart, heart of America. That's what I had written. You know, it is America. You know, Luke and Noah are America. Sure. You know, it's, re- it's, it's the closest to what life used to be here. I think life is very different now here. But, you know, maybe that's why it's going off the air because, you know, maybe life isn't about family and love anymore. I don't know. I'm getting waxing poetic here. But I think that has a lot to do with it. I mean, is primetime shows about family and love anymore? Uh, Not on on CBS, not so much. I I was about to say that CBS is no longer about love and family anymore, I don't think. Right. One of my readers pointed out that, you know, that Les Moubes, who cancels out the world's parents, I think I actually pointed this out, but they elucidated, you know, he canceled uh, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. And he canceled Sybil. You know, he canceled shows about women. And, you know, Dr. Play Medicine Woman, did you ever watch it? Sure, yeah. I love that show. And it was a parable for feminism. You know, she was out doing a job, and she still had a husband and a family who, you know, a hunky husband, Joe Landau, from One Life to Live. And she was smart, and there was a big, there was community. Remember, you knew all the people in town? Absolutely. And the show was still going gangbusters, you know, after six years, and they just got rid of it for no reason at all. Same thing with As the World Counts. But see, do you see the do you see what I'm do you see the because it wasn't you know what people want now you know they want CSI and cutting people's heads yeah. off <laughs> and so, special effects and you know the whole the whole procedural thing where you know right. you don't have to follow the but story. I'm just saying, it's not just Les Moonves. I mean the times are changing. Sure. Look at movies. Do you go to the movies? Uh yeah sure. What do you see? Oh we went and saw. Uh, we went and saw Crazy Heart a couple a couple uh, last yeah, week. Yeah, I, I, I want that's the only thing I want to see that I haven't seen. Yeah. You know what? It was absolutely fantastic. I mean, yeah, it was but it's, it's fantastic. It's, right, and but it's one in a million. Yeah, know? that's that's the anomaly these days. I mean, there, the, there's nothing. Know. I went to the movies every week of my life until about two years ago, and there's, there's really not a lot to see. You know, I don't want to see. You know. Um, uh, I can't even think of some of these, you know. Avatar or Clash Avatar, of the Titans. That's not or, for yeah. me. Yeah. I don't want to see it. 2012. It's not for me. It's not for me. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's not even saying I want to see women. I just want to see something that I could sit there and, and think. You know, I'm not, I don't want to be science fiction fans because, like, you know, Avatar I know is the greatest thing in the world for science fiction people. My family, there's, uh, the kids, this, my stepkids are really into it. But I'm just saying it's not for me. Yeah. 
soaps are for me and romance is for me and any drama is for me. I mean, I'll watch things about war. I'll, I'll just watch something that makes sense. <laughs> now, what about you? Well, how do you feel about something like, like uh, I don't know, The Good Wife on, on CBS Primetime? That's a good show. That's a good show. Actually, that's a good model for a soap. You know, that's a very good model for a soap. You know, that's a quality show. I'm really surprised that they leave it on the air. Yeah, how on earth did that one get past the goalie? Yeah, yeah. I guess we'll have some very strong stars, though. <laughs> and they have great people on that show. I mean, it's not just the lead. They have Christine Ferrante. Sure, and Josh Charles has been great in 100 things and, and not getting, right. not, not gotten the, the kind of recognition that he's deserved sure, over his career. He's a character actor. Sure. You know? Same thing with Christine Ferrante. She's a character actor, you know, and she's been in a million things. She was in Mamma Mia. Did you see Mamma Mia? Uh, no, I did not. Oh, you must. Oh, it's such an up. You must watch it. It's really fun. You know, my my partner is absolutely crazy about it. But uh, oh, you gotta. I know. I didn't want to look, it, but it's fabulous. You gotta see it. Okay. It'll make you so happy. <laughs> except for except for Pierce Brosnan, who I've interviewed twice, and he's just out of his out of his league. But you know what I'm saying? It's it's about love. It's about family, and also there's a girl from all my children in it. Amanda Seyfried. <laughs> so you know, that's the thing. There's so few, and that's what I'm saying. It's not just soaps. It's everything in our culture. What do you think? I keep saying, what do you think? Because uh, I just don't want to be the only one who thinks this. I don't think I'm the only one. I know I'm not the only one. Well, you know, I mean, it, it, it's funny. If you, if you look at, if you look at I the... I know I'm not, because uh, every one of my friends will have to feel this way, too. Go on. If you look at the new primetime hits, I mean, stuff like Glee, that's a soap opera. Oh, Glee. I love Glee. Glee, Glee makes my heart sing, yes. I just discovered it very late. I just love Glee. Glee is the greatest, because I love camp, and I just love it. But, I mean, at, if you boil it down to its bare essence, it's a soap. Oh, definitely. And, and it knows it's a soap, too. Exactly. And, and it's, it's proud of it. Yeah, but it also has a lot of talent. You know, all those people that are, are the stars, you know, like Leah Michelle, and they're all Broadway people. I've seen them all. And they have great talent. Okay? Um, years ago, people like that would be on soap operas. Sure. They, I mean, some of them, I mean, Matthew Morrison, he was on As the World Turns for a Time. Right. I mean, some of them have come from soaps. Really, definitely. And, uh, you know, I saw him in South Pacific, and I saw Leah Michelle in Spring Awakening, and those are the people you used to get, you know, and that's what we've lost, basically. But Glee is special, don't you think? You know, it's... Uh, parts of I it. want to be Sue Sylvester. She's my role model. <laughs> but can, could you see it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, a te- I'm a teacher, you know. Yeah. That's what I do for real. Parts of that show go right over my head, but I tell you what, my partner is absolutely crazy about it. I mean, all action in this house will uh-huh. stop on Wednesdays when, when Glee, when Glee comes on. As I said, on. I was very late to it, and I just went nuts for it. Because, first of all, I'm, I'm a teacher, but also because it's a soap, and it's about talent, and it's about kids, and it's about music, and what's not to like? <laughs> you know, you have to, you have to get into it. And, it took, you know, as I said, but you're, you're right, it is a soap opera. You're right. But there are a lot of shows. I know that, you know, on We Love Soaps, Roger always lists, you know, the soaps, like, by, he does the ratings once a week, and he lists, but he lists the daytime soaps with the ones that are, are nighttime, yes. that are supposedly soaps. But I, I still have the, you know, I still draw the line. You know, I don't look at CSI as being a soap opera. Sure. You know, and, you know, in the old days, you knew that Dynasty and Falcon Quest was, but I don't know. I don't watch Grey's Anatomy. What's wrong with me? <laughs> You know, I watched it at the very beginning, but they lost me several years ago, and, and I haven't. Yeah, I haven't but I never even watched it. it, you yeah. know, and that's the great soap opera. You know, as I said, you know, a lot of these soap operas are daytime at night, but I just don't really, I'm not a big prime time person. I was my whole life, but I'm just not. Yeah. 
you know, and I think that there are people who are, in, you know, I know that a lot of my old soap fans are primetime. My friends are, are, you know, they watch all the primetime shows. I just don't. Yeah. I don't know. There's, there's, a, there's a couple of shows that I really, really, really enjoy, and most of it just goes right past me. Like what? Like, uh, there's a great show called Friday Night Lights, which... Oh, yes. All, every soap fan loves Friday Night Lights. That yes. is a fantastic show. I'm that is, a, that is the best of soap opera. Uh, there, you know, there's an underrated show on ABC called Private Practice, which was a Grey's Anatomy spinoff. And, uh-huh. and you know, I mean, uh, some of the writing gets a little thin, but but they've got, uh, I mean, Audra McDonald and Kate Walsh and right. Tim Daly. I mean, they've got a dream cast, and I yes, think it's a do. really, really smart, uh-huh. uh, uh, great show to watch, and it's very underrated. Uh-huh. And I like that show. Um, uh, you know, Glee, as we talked about, uh, a couple of the new ABC comedies, uh, 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 Cougar Town and, and Modern Family. Yeah, see, I, I just have not really, I'm not into, you know, I, I'm not really that into sitcoms anymore, but I heard they're really great. And, of course, you know, uh, uh, Diane, what's her name, Carolyn Hennessy, how could you not, you know, I love, <laughs> you know, I wrote about her as soon as she came on the show. Uh-huh. That's my trademark, I try to write about them right away, I think. And I always have, but I don't know, she was just, you know, I wrote about Spinelli right away, too, so... <laughs> But you know, on balance, I'd rather I'd rather watch a Seinfeld rerun or a Designing Women rerun or you know uh-huh. something something along those lines than than watch you know some of the new shows. They, they most of them just go right over my head. Yeah, well, I also watch you know I watch a lot of news. I mean, my husband is a journalist and was a newspaper guy, and I'm a journalist, so we we do watch a lot of news. And I think a lot of people watch it too. You know, years ago with soap operas, they were. You know, there are only three channels, and now there's 27,000, and you can watch home shows. You know, this, you, this is obvious. But, you know, in this house, we're just very news-oriented, so we watch a lot of news. Okay. You know, and uh, maybe if I wasn't, you know, if I was by myself, I might watch more prime time. But I'm just saying there are so many alternatives, so many alternatives. And that's the problem with soaps, because we watch soaps, but during the day, people watch other things. Sure. You know, that house and garden thing is very powerful. Even I watch it. <laughs> And also, you know, I even watch occasional, I mean, I'm religious, I always watch soaps, but, you know, you, you can get a better emotional fix these days by watching old movies, turn of classic movies. You know, most people do, a lot of people watch those. You know, I watch old movies, and it's amazing, and they're so intelligent, and, you know, especially when you see what's happening on soaps, you know, you watch something like Notorious or Shane, I wrote about that, and, you know, there it is. Or yeah. Old Yeller. There's a million of them. There's Absolutely. a million. But, you know, as, as a friend of mine, uh, Marilyn Henry, who writes to me very often on my column, you know, it's not the same world. It's not the same world. She was soaps. I mean, she's been a general hospital fan. She wrote my Luke and Laura story in 1980. She, you know, she, she actually had Tony Deary, you know, a friend, not her, but she told me that, you know, they had Tony Deary sheets then. Did you know that? <laughs> you know, I did not know that. <laughs> I mean, that's how much people love them. You know, and that's gone. Oh, God, everything is so depressing. <laughs> but I love to think about that era because it was wonderful. And, and you know, I, I know a lot of people watch stuff on YouTube now. Do you? Absolutely, I do. What do you watch? Oh, I love some of the old, some of the old late 80s One Life to Live clips. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, God, some of the, er, you know, some of the early 90s Guiding Light stuff when that show was so smart and so Oh, so God, my favorite, I mean, yes. Uh-huh. You can't beat it. No, you can't. And, uh. I think at Christmas somebody posted a, 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 a as you know a Doug Marlin as the world turns Christmas show, and it was just so shockingly different from today. You know, everybody was I love you, and it was just so deep, and you know, and also I knew Doug, and it really reflected him as a person. And you just look at this, and you think, oh my God! And that's why I think you know, like I am stuck in the past a bit because you know it was better. 
like, you know. Well, you know, it's so funny. The other day I was watching a, a Days of Our Lives Christmas episode from, I think, 85 or 86. Oh, and, and yeah. I can't remember why I even happened upon it, but I did. Uh-huh. And, you know, it was so, as you said, full of family, full of love, full of heart. Right, and full of ornaments. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Those ornaments are just, you know, but, you know I mean, everything you know, about the show. There was something so comforting about about the idea that, you know, every Christmas your shows were going to gather together and, and, right. and have that, you know, have that celebration. Right, and you knew the Hortons would always be there, you know. And, and the Hughes's and the, and the, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, that ancient sort of parallels to my own life, but, you know, my parents both passed away in the last three years, and it's Christmas. You know, I, I am very lucky that I have stepchildren and good friends, but... Uh, you know, you depend. That's one of the things that self does. You know, you you could depend on them. You know, I knew the youth for fifty years, and and that's why I cried when it was canceled because they were like part of my family. Do you feel that way Absolutely. about certain stuff? Absolutely. What you know? What is part of your family? What would you say? You know, uh, Santa Barbara was really tough for me because you know I loved watching. I mean, the Capitals were so crazy, and oh, know, yeah. they were also crazy, and that uh-huh. was that was a really tough one for me. Another World was tough for me. Oh, Another World is a killer, yeah. Because you know I wasn't going to see Felicia and Cass again. I wasn't right. going to see Rachel again. I wasn't going to see Vicky and Jake again. Right. Uh, you know, Guiding Light was uh, Guiding Light was tough, but I had I had not watched so much of Guiding Light in the last mm-hmm. six or seven years of its life that mm-hmm. you know I had kind of weaned myself off of it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But you know, I mean, you know, you think about Reva and Josh, you think about Alan, you think about Alexandra. You know, you're not going to see those people again. Right, right. Well, you know, and, and it's it's hard. You know, I mean, people don't people who don't watch folks don't understand the attachment. You know, it's not like you're canceling something that's been on the air for two seasons. There is, you know, people carrying on about 24. It was on eight years, which is great, but it wasn't on, you know. 38 years or 48 years. Exactly. And it wasn't on, you know, five days a week, an right. hour a day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and when you think about, day, you know, about One Life, I mean, yeah, they're all over the place. But if they can't, well, if they cancel that show, I will, as I said, eight times today. And, and, you know, the only thing worse that could happen to me is if they canceled all my children because that would just be the end of the world for me because that is my historic favorite show, you know. It, it's not, it hasn't been very good except for the last three months, but... Even the idea of it, you know, unnerves me. The idea of seeing no more Tad, no more Adam, no yeah, more... Yeah, well, but I know that about the Guiding Light fans, because I've gotten, you know, I know very many of them. I used to be in a Guiding Light um, email group in the very beginning of Soaps, and, mm-hmm. you know, in the very beginning of, uh, you know, like the height of Guiding Light, and, you know, I've gotten letters from people who was their show, and it's just heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Going back to World Turns for a minute, is is that show's final episode going to generate the same kind of yes of pomp and ballyhoo that that Guiding Lights did, or is it going more, to be more, much more? Okay, you know, even even I have even I have pitched something on it, but I think it's going to be really awful. It's going to be just awful because it's the death of an institution, you know, and it's in good shape, as you said, you know, it's still a show that's in relatively good shape. It's not like Guiding Light that was really, you know, had a lot a lot of problems, yeah. and 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 also as World Turns has more. You know, I mean, it was the biggest hit of the 50s. I mean, they had 75% of the audience in the 50s, 75%. Think about that. So I think that there's going to be – the only thing that I think that's not going to – that might negate it is that it's in September, and September is when the new shows premiere, and people in the regular press won't be interested. I know already from my own work that people in the press are not – in the mainstream press are not interested in soap operas anymore. Although Guiding Light's final episode really did generate some interest from well, you know, 60 TV. Minutes and some of the other shows. And, well, yeah, because it was on for 75 years. I mean, what else was on for 75 years? I just have the fear that As the World Turns is not going to generate that same kind of interest. 
as I said, the timing, you know, it's like you do certain stories. And, you know, when I was first started writing, we would do all the soap stories in the summer because, you know, everybody would write about prime time in the fall. So, you know, that was always my busiest time. But it depends. As I said, September is a bad time. That's yeah. when prime time shows come on. Yeah. Think about it, you know, think Think about it the way that that publishers and editors think about it. You know, I was really shocked. I thought Kish would get a lot more coverage in the mainstream press, wouldn't you? Didn't you? You know, I... I thought it would be everywhere. I don't know. I mean, it it was everywhere in in the gay press, and, you know, some of the mainstream press picked up on it a little bit, but... But not as much as you thought. thought. I thought that it would be all over the regular press. I was really shocked when it wasn't. And if I was still, you know, doing Newsday, I would have written tons of it, tons and tons on it, you know. But people just, you know, in the real world, they don't care very much anymore. You know, we care, and the press, you know, the people online care, and certainly the gay press cares about Kish. Yeah. You know, but, I'm God, everything I say is negative. (laughs) Let's talk about things that are positive. Okay, well. For the last half hour. Well, I'll tell you something. You know, Marlena has always been a, a notorious trend spotter, and so I, I want to know if you've been keeping up at all with the, with any of the web soaps that have become all the rage the Only past few months. Only Steamboat. Only Steamboat. Okay. Because, you know, I, I, I admire the creativity of people who make their own soaps. But I love Steamboat because it's done by professionals. It's done by people who are real pros. Scott Price is a producer and Michael O'Leary is a writer and they who knows this you know everybody's doing their own soaps but I really think that if you watch Steamboat it's done very very well it's done like a professional television show of all these you know anyway what do you do you, do you follow any you know I've been watching Steamboat and you know laughing my ass off at me too Isn't at it all hilarious? I mean it's just hysterical it's to see people hysterical. like Kim Zimmer letting loose oh you know I, I Kim and I have a long history and I hated Reva but the minute she came on the screen as the producer, I just laughed my ass off and said, this is the role she was born to play. You know, uh, uh, I mean... Jill Farenfeld. <laughs> <laughs> but Jill isn't always like that, by the way. Anyway, go on. I don't, I don't want to say anything about Jill. I think, you know. But, I mean, you think about, you know, Linda Gottlieb and, and Wendy Rich and, you know, Jill oh, Phelps yeah. and, you know, some of the great strong... Female Jackie Babin and you right. know some of the great. I've known them all. You know, I mean, she's, I've known she's them a all. perfect. She's a perfect melange of all of them. I know, but she's also very funny and nasty, <laughs> which which you know the producers you know are, have not always been. You know, they are even even the, the 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 ones that you've heard about, like Linda Gottlieb, who I had many many run-ins with personally. <laughs> you know, in the end, turned out to be a real person. You know, so but it's fun. It's really fun. It's just the funnest thing. It's so much fun. You know that character played by um, who is who's, who's the really played by um, everybody is really funny. I mean, you know, the the guy who plays Jack Snyder, um, Michael Park. Michael Park. You know, he has such talent. I saw him on Broadway many times, and he's hilarious on that show. But who knew? Because he's such a straight laced guy on on as I know, terms. I, mean, I know. Who... Oh, I've seen him sing and dance. He is fabulous. He won like a. Theater World Award. I saw him in Little Me. <gasps> you should see him dance. He's really sexy. You would never know that from As the World Turns. <laughs> He's such a good musical comedy person, and I think he's so great on that show. And, you know, Michael O'Leary has always been very funny on Guiding Light when they've let him be, but he is, his, his humor just dominates that show. Mm-hmm. You know, and also Scott Rice is so talented, and you could just see it in the, in the directing. And the, the direction is so professional. The show, you know, it comes together, and it's, very even hand, you know, even when it's crazy, 
it works because it's produced well, like Young and Restless is produced well. Absolutely. You, you know, I had, being professional. I had Scott in here a, a couple of weeks ago to talk about Steamboat. Oh, Scott, yes. Yeah. He, he's interesting always, yes. Uh-huh. And what a great guy to talk to. I mean, he's so smart and so passionate and so dedicated. Yes, yeah. and he's had a, he hasn't had the easiest career. You know, he was in Hollywood. He had a hard time. And, you know, he's so talented. He's so talented. And he was so misused and abused his, his last run on World Turns. Oh, my God. Years ago. I mean, it was he just... was so smart to quit. Was, uh, I mean, what they did to him was criminal. You know, and Craig, Craig is like, I remember when Craig first came on the show and how just incredible, you know, how, 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 what a different character he was and how unique he was and how he basically, you know, really affected the whole show and, and they just totally corrupted him. He's an easy character to corrupt. You know, they had that other guy playing him for a while, Jeff Miller, I think his name is. Ugh. But, you know, Scott Bryce is an original, you know. Well, and even even when Hunt Block was playing him, I mean, as good as Hunt Block is, he was very he was a very slimy character. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, it's very easy with Craig. You know, that's the, you know, he was always slimy. That was what the, what was interested about him, interesting yeah. about him. But, you know, it take, different actors have different interpretations, but Scott Bryce is Craig. Don't you think? Oh, sure. And don't you know that Doug Marlin was just rolling over in his grave watching, you know? I hate, yeah, I hate when people say that about, about Doug. But, yeah, oh, God, there are so many things that Doug was just hysterical <laughs> about. But millions of things, millions of things, you know, millions. But, you know, he loved his actors so much. But, sure. um, he, you know, he called him Scotty, just like everybody else does. <laughs> You know, I just think that's why Steamboat is so much, it's so great. Everybody's letting loose, but it's being done the right way. And also, it's so observant about self. We think that we are observant about self. It's so much fun to see what the actors say, don't sure. you think? And you know that, you know, that, you know as, as political as they have to be, the actors have pretty much the exact same opinions that we have. About oh, worse. They've got to work. They've got to make this stuff. We only watch it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we only watch it, and of course, I saw last night. I went to see uh, the Irish Curse, you know, with Austin Peck. Okay. And you know, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. You could imagine, you know, when he was on that show, he was really over the top, and you could imagine what other people said, you know. And then I saw him last night in a play, and he was totally over the top, but he was great. So, but you could, you know, there was a lot of backstage stuff going on there. Yeah. So you know, there's always a, a backstage. You know, you saw Soap Dish. I mean, that's what it's, you know, it's, it's a whole different world, and we think we're the only ones that notice. Can you imagine being on One Life to Live now? Oh, I, you know, I, I can only, I mean, uh, what must Jerry Verdorn be thinking? What must Robin Strasser be thinking? What they're must, thinking we have a job. Yeah. That's what they're thinking. You know, Bob Woods and Hillary Smith. What, I mean, what are they really thinking? I know. I think that they're, you know, counting their paychecks until the end. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I mean, these people have invested their lives. Other people can go on and... You know, really, you know, but you, you, it's very hard to get cast if you're over 40 now someplace else. You know, I, I, I saw, a, you know, it's very hard. I saw, a, you watch Santa Barbara, right? Sure. Do you remember there was an actor named Scott Jake on the show? Yeah, he was he was the guy who uh, rescued Eden after she was... Right, well, guess what? He was in the play I saw last night. He's about 100 pounds more. Really? He's in a, yes, he plays the priest, and he is, uh, I was shocked when I saw him because I interviewed him, and... And what is he doing now? He's in an off, off, off Broadway show, and that's what happens. But he was great, you know. But I'm just saying. I mean, do you think that that people who make a million dollars a year want to make, you know, a hundred dollars a week? <laughs> no, I'm serious. So, you know, this is major, major stuff for these actors who are, are going off the air. Really major. You know, if they're lucky, like Strasser or you know, like Bob Woods or something, they you know they save their money. 
Yeah. But look at Linda Dano. I mean, that's the biggest casualty of all. I love Linda Dano. I'm sure you do, too. Absolutely, I do. And Linda Dano is, is, is a guy, you know, I mean, personally and professionally. And, you know, look what she's been doing since another world. She's really been doing, you know, trying to find work, and it's not easy for someone of her age. And Linda Dano is the best, don't you think? The best. The best, you know. And I, I, keep, I have a campaign on it. I don't know if you know in my column, but I always say, bring her back, bring her back. <laughs> well, I mean, look at somebody like, like uh, Vicki Wyndham. I mean, she just completely disappeared after another world. Well, I think she wanted to. I, I interviewed her, and she always had another life. I mean, she was an artist, and she traveled. And, you know, I don't, I never, I don't think that soaps were her entire life. But, you know, I think that she really had a lot of – she's a brilliant woman. I was so happy to meet her and spend an afternoon with her. Wow, <laughs> you know, I just really relate to her as mm-hmm. a person and, and as a thinker and stuff. And uh, I just, you know, I don't think that it's, it's as severe to her as someone like Linda Zano who really does want to work. But, I mean, where's Robin Matson these days? I mean, you know, she's still a viable actress and, and a hell of an actress at that. Right. It, that's what I'm saying. It's very hard. But I'm just saying when a whole show is canceled, look what happens. What's going to happen to Eileen Kristen, who has hung on and hung on and hung on and hung on? <laughs> You know, she's she's been like this, one of the saving graces, don't you think? Absolutely. You know, especially the last couple of weeks, the storyline's ridiculous, and she is just like doing everything in the world. You know, spilling her guts out on the camera. That's what. That's why some of these online shows are great because they brought back people like you know Anna Stewart and Lisa Peluso, and uh-huh. you know some of these. Well, I know Lisa Peluso is a real estate agent. We've been looking for a house in New Jersey, and she's a real estate agent in our area. Really? Yep. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. <laughs> These people have very strange afterlives, you know. But you know, Lisa, we watched her grow up. Sure. You know, and she was magnificent on Another World as Lila. Oh my God! Remember that was Malone's character. And you know, she was great on Loving too, even though. Yeah, she was a very good Ava, I thought too. Oh well, those were the days, my friends. <laughs> so what's on the what's on the horizon for uh, Marlena De La Croix? Well, she uh, she goes on. As I said, I I really don't know how much I'll be writing, but if something comes along that you know I really really feel passionately about, like the snuff films or the rain on all my children, or even if you know I I really don't really want to write anymore about one life to live. But if it, if it you know if there's a radical change or it ends, you'll definitely hear from me. You know I have to feel really passionate, and I have to feel something is worth or gives me something to write about the way that um, Lorraine Brider saw my children did, or Kish about how outraged I was that they got rid of them. Sure. Do, do, do you, um, I know that you know many other people are writing criticism and are still doing it week to week, but it's just hard for me. Is that, is that you know, what do you think of that? Because, you know, I'm bothered about it because I, I, I love being in touch with my fans, and Marlene is a big part of my life. Absolutely. Well, you know, uh, I think I think I can I can say that we all love hearing from you, but you know, it's as you said, criticism is kind of everywhere now, and so it's it's kind of hard to to uh, you know thresh through the through the chaff and and get to the wheat and and you know I don't know I um as you know as much as I as as much as I've missed you on a, on a regular basis I, I I take what you say to heart about how you know you have to have a true emotional connection to what you're writing about or else it's just it's just you, you whining and ranting and raving, and you know that's that's no fun either. So, it's, it's not even that. It's like you know, there's just not a lot to criticize. But you know, it always comes back. You know, I, I stopped for two months and I started again. And I think other people have done that too. I think Patrick has done that, and you know, I, I think that it's happened to a lot of people because soaps is like a lifelong thing. And and to me, you know, it's very sad. The whole thing is just so sad. 
right now. And, you know, there's also a lot of people that I care about and a lot of my friends because a lot of my friends were, like you, Brandon, were forged through soaps. And, you know, it's sad when uh, we don't have – you and I certainly always have things to talk about. Sure. But, you know, I've had other friendships where, you know, they stop watching and that's it. So I don't know. It's all very odd. Well, I, I think, love soaps, and I love being on Brandon's Buzz. <laughs> and I love having you here. You are a true American treasure, my darling. And, oh, thank and, you. And you are a true journalist, <laughs> which I say about not almost any other person on the radio or online these days. Well, I thank you very much for that. I really appreciate that. And as I said, I'm going to drag you back here as we get closer to As the World Turns finale because, you know, I know that you have a lot of memories and a lot of opinions. Oh, sure. And, right, you know, any time is fine. I will always be very happy to be invited on your show, and it's always one of the great, great highlights of uh, – of my of the rest of my career <laughs> it is it's wonderful and i really appreciate um that you have me on and let me say whatever i want absolutely likewise my darling you're welcome here anytime to discuss anything great okay brandon i will speak with you soon fantastic great take care you too thank you very much thank you bye-bye the, the magnificent connie pasolacquahaman everybody on brandon's buzz marlena de la croix herself coming to brandon's buzz brandon's buzz in the can for april 7th 2010 come on back next week next week I'm having a chat with, speaking of, you know, the great, the great icons of, of soaps, I'm having a chat with Peggy McKay, who is Caroline Brady on Days of Our Lives. She's been there for, good Lord, three decades now or better. And she's coming on this show to reminisce and remember about her amazing career lived before the camera. That's Peggy McKay next week, April 13th, 2010, Tuesday night, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, right here on Brandon's Buzz. Uh, I want to tell you quickly how you can find Brandon's Buzz. If you're listening, you already know, but in case you don't, blogtalkradio.com slash Brandon's Buzz is kind of mission control for the show. From there, you can listen to the show. You can download old shows. You can leave comments. You can send emails. You can see what's happening. Uh, it really is mission control for Brandon's Buzz. Again, it's blogtalkradio.com slash Brandon's Buzz. Uh, you can also find me at brandonsbuzz.com, my blog. There at the top of any page is a blue button marked radio. You click on that button. That takes you to a full radio archive of all of my shows. This is episode number 59. This and all previous 58 episodes are all available at brandonsbuzz.com in the blue, uh, uh, in the radio archive, which is under the blue button at the top of any page at brandonsbuzz.com. Uh, you can also find me on iTunes. I'm on iTunes, guys. Just click, click, type Brandon's Buzz in the iTunes Music Store search box. Scroll down to the podcast section. Click on my logo. From there, you can download individual old episodes as podcasts for playback on the device of your choosing, or you can subscribe to the show and have new episodes automatically download to your library the minute they're uploaded to the music store. So I'm literally, I'm all over the place on the Internet. I'm on iTunes, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm Brandon's Buzz on all of those things. Just Google the words Brandon's Buzz and something will pop up that points you in my direction. And I appreciate you guys finding me. I appreciate you guys coming in my direction and listening, and I hope you continue finding and listening to Brandon's Buzz. Hi, everybody out there. This is Eileen Kristen, and I have just been on Brandon's Buzz. This is a great show and a very sophisticated mind, so spread the word, Brandon's Buzz. This is Claire Massey from Tammy Show, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Great guy. Great show. Check hey it out. Hey, guys. This is Brett Claywell from One Life to Live, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Hi. This is Lynn Herring on Brandon's Buzz. It's the great entertainment talk show on now. Brandon, I love you. Thanks for having me. So if you feel that you just can't take it, and your world isn't what it seems, 
Don't forget that life can be what you make it. Better when you live on a street of dreams. Hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you're with Brandon's Buzz, the place to be. Hi, everybody. This is Nicholas Walker. Merci à tous. Écoutez Brandon Buzz sur Blog Talk Radio. Bonsoir et à très bientôt. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.